First Timothy chapter number four and verse number one. If you're there, say amen. amen. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter time some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry, commanding to abstain from meats which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. For every creature, how many? Every creature of God is good and nothing to be refused, if it be received with thanksgiving. For it is sanctified by the word of God in prayer. That means when you pray over your bacon-wrapped shrimp, it's all good. Uh, Those people that don't believe in eating pork or crustaceans, God bless them, get a Bible with 1 Timothy in it. Amen? Amen. God bless bacon. Amen. All right. I'm sorry. I'm getting a little carnal, but I just appreciate the word. Amen. It is. <laughs> that bacon is sanctified. Say amen. By the word of God in prayer. Verse five. Verse six. If thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister. See, I'm just being a good preacher by telling you to eat the bacon. Amen. It says, be reminded, be a good minister. Uh, Where where are we at? (laughs) Verse 5. All right. If thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine, whereunto thou hast attained, but refuse profane and old wise fables, and exercise thyself rather in the godliness. For bodily exercise profiteth little, but godly... There's another praise right there. Amen. But godliness is profitable unto all things, having the promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. For therefore we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God who is the Savior of all men, especially of those that believe. These things command and teach. Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Till I come, give attendance to what? To reading and to exhortation and to doctrine. Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by prophecy with the laying on of hands of the presbytery. Meditate upon these things, give thyself wholly to them, that thy profiting may appear before or appear to all. Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this thou shalt save thyself and them that hear thee. All right, well, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much for all that you do. Thank you for your blessings. Thank you for your church. Thank you for a place where we can come in. And get out of the rain and, and have a dry place and a, a warm, cool place to, to, to be, to study your word. There's a lot of places around the world that don't have that opportunity. And Lord, I want to thank you for my country. I thank you that I still have the freedom, even though it's being attacked, even though, uh, Lord, they're trying to stop it. We still have the freedom to study your word. And I pray as long as we have that freedom, we take advantage of it. And God, I pray that you'll bless your word. I pray that you'll anoint it tonight. Help us, encourage us, help us to be better Christians today than we were yesterday. I pray that you'll uh, bless the teaching. Don't let me say anything I shouldn't, and don't let me forget anything I should. 
And God will thank you and praise you for all that you do. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You, you, you should be thankful that so far in the Bible study tonight, you've learned that we can eat bacon and we don't have to exercise. <laughs> that right there was worth showing up. Say amen, Phil, y'all. Amen. Now, here's what we're going to do. Here's what we're going to do. It's been, <clears throat> it's been a while, uh, uh, for me anyway, that the, we've been in 1 Timothy. So I want to do a little brief review, <coughs> excuse me, real brief review of what we, are, we have been studying, so to catch us up to get to where we are. Now, uh, Timothy is left in Ephesus. Paul has left his protege. This is, Paul was his mentor, uh, his discipler, if you will. <clears throat> and he left Timothy there in Ephesus to carry on and to stop false doctrine. There were false teachers that had risen up in the church of Ephesus, and he left Timothy there to stop the false teaching, all right? So one of his main targets is to stop false what? Teaching. Now, uh, Timothy's young. Timothy's young, and he's probably uh, uh, in, his, in his early 30s or mid-30s. Uh, which is very young in, 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 the, in this day. Uh, most, most of the Greeks of that day didn't consider you uh, mature until you were over 40. And so he's a young man pastoring an older established church, and he's struggling. He's having difficulty. Uh, uh, he's dealing with false teachers and false doctrine. He's dealing with a society in a culture that was ultra-sexualized, uh, incredibly wicked and sensual. And so he's struggling with that. And uh, he just had a lot of issues. Uh, ministry is not easy. Say amen. amen. I, had, I had one of our DMD guys send me a, uh, 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 send me a, a text this past week. And uh, he is he is dealing with his his disciples that he's trying to teach and help and do Bible study with. And he says, preacher, I am so sorry for being a lousy church member. He, I, and I knew what was going on. He's struggling with his. Amen. So he's realizing, oh, my goodness, uh, ministry's not it's not easy. Sometimes it's difficult. Sometimes it's frustrating. Sometimes it's discouraging. Uh, and, and Timothy is he's having a difficult time. He's wanting to quit. He's wanting to give up. And so Paul writes this letter uh, to try to encourage him, to try to help him, uh, to try to give him some advice uh, to how to deal with things. You know, the, our, our key verse was how thou should behave thyself in the, in the church, in the house of God. Amen. Do y'all remember that? Say amen. And so here uh, we're going to jump into how to be a good minister. Now, the word minister here, we find it in this particular chapter, it just means servant. It just means servant. You guys, I, I just went and got uh, something to drink, and y'all were back there ministering. You were back there serving. Uh, those who uh, were back in the, in the side, they were taking temperatures of everybody that comes in, all the, all the people who were volunteering and serving. What were they doing? They were ministering. When you hold the doors open for people and encouraging them, and you greet them with a smile, you're ministering. Whatever you do in service unto the Lord, that's ministering. If that makes sense, amen. amen. And so I want you, to, I'm saying that on purpose because a lot of times when you hear the word minister, you, you automatically think preacher. You automatically think you got to stand on the platform and, 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 and preach or, or, or disseminate the word, but that's not true. A minister is one who serves. Are y'all with me? Now, 
How to be a good minister. This is what we're going to find in this particular chapter. Part of it is encouragement. Part of it is instruction. Uh, part of it is warning. Uh, but everything is to help you be a good minister or a good servant. All right? Say that with me. A good servant. All right? Now, let's jump right in and we'll begin our study tonight. Verse number one. Verse number one. <clears throat> what should every minister know? I may have to do that periodically, so just forgive me for that. Say amen. What should every minister know? First, first is everybody's not going to stay. Everybody's not going to stay. There's going to be people that walk. Now look what he says in verse 1. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly. The word expressly there means plainly. All right, say that with me. Plainly. Very plainly, very specifically, this is what the Holy Spirit is saying. That in the latter times, some shall what? They're going to depart. They're going to walk. All right. Some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats, which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good and nothing to be refused. For if it be received with thanksgiving, for it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. All right, so I want you to take your notes, write this down. First, we find a falling away. He is telling Timothy, uh, I, would, I would guess that in this day, and by the way, by the way, the last days, the last days began with Jesus on this earth. Okay, we always talk about we're in the last days, and we're talking about 2020. But really, the end times, the last days on God's calendar began with the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. They were in the last days here. And so what he's saying, in the last days, you got to understand that there's going to be some people that's going to walk. There's going to be some people that's going to depart from the faith. Now, why is, he telling, why is he telling Timothy this? Because Timothy's dealing with this. There are people that are leaving. There are people that are walking away. And I'm telling you, that is really frustrating for a minister. It is frustrating to see people that were once on fire, people that were once excited. It's frustrating to see a building that used to be full to be almost half empty. It's frustrating to see people who tell you they'll love you and they'll, they'll, they'll go to the ends of the earth for you only to have a very short memory and forget what you've done for them. It's frustrating. It's difficult. Uh, it's, it, it, the, the minister automatically takes it personal. The minister loses sleep at night wondering, what did I do wrong? What could I have done better? When it has nothing to do with the minister at all. And this is what Paul is trying to help Timothy understand. Listen, Timothy, it, it, no matter how good you are to them, no matter how good of a teacher you are, no matter how good of a minister you are, there's coming a time when people are just going to walk. And it's not because of your influence. Now watch this now. This is really a key. It's not because of your influence or your teaching. But watch what he says. He says this. In the latter times, some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits. Oh, come on, stay with me, guys. Giving heed to seducing and doctrines of devils. 
Devils. The word devils there is the word we would use, demons. Demons. Now here's what I want you to see. There is a falling away, point number one. A, what is the cause of this? A, influential demons. Write that word down. Influential demons. Preacher, do you believe in demons? Absolutely. Absolutely. Keep this in mind. How many of y'all have ever heard the phrase or said the phrase, boy, the devil's been on my back? I've said it. But guess what? All of us were lying. Because I don't think there's anybody in this room, including myself, that is such a threat that we demand the big guy's attention. Now, I believe we get one of his corporals or one of his sergeants and some of us, maybe one of his privates. We get part of his army, but not him. You see, the devil's not a supreme being. God is, he is everywhere at the same time. He's omniscient. He's omnipotent. Uh, he's omnipresent, which means he can be everywhere at the same time. Now, God can be with you and with me at the same time. He can be with you at work while he's at me, with me at the church. The devil's not that way. The devil is a created being. So he can only be in one place at one time. Are y'all with me? Say amen. But he has help. When he, when he turned his back on God, when he rebelled against God, you see, he convinced a third of the angels in heaven to follow him. And they are the demons we have to deal with. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Now let me give you a verse. Look at the verse, 1 John. <clears throat> Excuse me, let me, let, me, let me look at Ephesians 6, 12. We'll go back up because I want to read that in here in just a minute. Ephesians 6, 12. When you get there, say amen. amen. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. That means humanity, human beings. Our enemy is not flesh and blood. But against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. What was he saying? There is hierarchy. There is, there is a chain of command, if you will, in the wicked demons underneath the devil. Now, what are we learning from this particular chapter? That the false teachers and the false doctrine and the people that are encouraging or the, the principalities, the demons are encouraging people to walk away from the faith. All false doctrine is demonic. Let me say that again. All false doctrine is demonically influenced. Now I'm saying stuff that some of y'all are looking spooked about. You have to understand you have to understand there is an enemy out there. You have to understand demonic oppression is real. That there are there are a there is a real devil and there are real demons that we are in a real fight with. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Now I, I I said this the other day on the video, and I don't know if you caught this or not, but I meant it, and I still believe it. I may be wrong and God may tell me I'm wrong when I get to heaven, but I'm going to believe it till I get there. We were fixing to kick off a mission and a project 
to reach our country. This mission project that we started, listen, it was, we were fixing to kick it off. We were meeting with pastors from all over the country to help them and teach them how to develop uh, DMD groups, disciples making disciples. Can you imagine what kind of effect if we have pastors all over the country that are going specifically and making disciple makers and disciple making disciples all over this country? We were supposed to meet in Atlanta. We were supposed to meet in Atlanta. We're supposed to meet with some pastors in Ohio. We're supposed to meet with some pastors in Virginia. And right when we kicked that off, I got the COVID. Now, do you think that's an accident? I mean, right at the moment, right at the time when I really need to be well, I got sick. Now, it wasn't sick enough. It was more aggravating than anything. But I I was quarantined. I couldn't. Are y'all with me? Now, nobody, nobody will ever convince me that that wasn't an attack. Preacher, why are you saying that? Because from the beginning of this whole deal, from the beginning of this whole deal, when it first started and everybody's losing their mind and not going anywhere and hiding under the couch, I haven't changed nothing. I went wherever I wanted to go. I did whatever I wanted to do. I went in here. I wasn't afraid of anything. I still, still not. I'm just saying nothing affected me. Nothing got on me or in me till we decided to fight back for our country. Are y'all with me? Well, I don't believe in that kind of stuff. You can believe what you want. But I'm telling you, what's happening in America is not cultural, it's demonic. Our country is under attack. Now, some of y'all are faithful. You're faithful. You're here whenever you're here and you've been here. And you've seen on Wednesday night Bible study, this place you can't even get on the bottom. Look around. Look around. You don't think that the devil ain't laughing his head off? People are falling away. That means they're walking away from their faith. They're walking away from their belief. They're walking away from their faithfulness, their commitment. But what does the Bible say? It's because of the influence of demons. Demons. This is real. This is real, guys. Now listen. There's influential demons. Doctrines of demons. Every false religion is demonically influenced. Every false doctrine is demonically influenced. Every false teacher is demonically influenced. Now watch this. Why is the falling away taking place? Because of influential demons. B, because of inconsistent deceivers. inconsistent deceivers. Write that down. Look what it says. Verse 2. Speaking lies in hypocrisy. So what what do we have? We have demons influencing. And who are the demons influencing? Lying hypocrites. 
you see, the devil, the devil uses human people to do his bidding. Are y'all with me? Now watch. Now go back up in your notes. Go back up in your notes. Now look what it says. It comes as a shock. Do y'all see that paragraph? Underneath number one, it comes as a shock. If you found that, raise your hand. I want to see you. Make sure we're on the same page. Okay, watch what it says. It comes as a shock to some people that Satan uses professed Christians in the church to accomplish his work. But Satan once used Peter to try to lead Jesus on the wrong path. You remember when Jesus came to Peter or he told the disciples, I'm going to Jerusalem to die. He said, oh, no, you're not. What did he say? Get thee behind me. Uh Uh-huh. Y'all with me? Now watch. Now watch. He used Ananias and Sapphira. These were professed Christians to deceive the church at Jerusalem. When they lied about their offering. Y'all remember that? Say amen. God rolled them up. Paul warned that false teachers would arise from within the church. Acts 20 verse 30. He said there will be people that are wolves in what? Now, now we are compared to sheep, right? We're the sheep. And, and if you are a wolf, a wolf is an enemy. He's a devourer. If he's wearing sheep's clothing, that means he's the enemy, but he looks like the sheep. He looks like us. And he says it's coming from inside. You know, attacks from the outside are not very effective. They're really not. I mean, if a tornado come and blew down our building, guess what? We'd meet in the parking lot. So how do you know? Because I remember putting up a tent and y'all standing in line in the rain. Y'all with me? I remember on a Wednesday night, we couldn't get it. We couldn't get it above 40 degrees in that tent. And y'all heathens won't just go ahead and have Bible study anyhow. And I wanted to go home. You see, attacks from the outside are not very effective. It's those that come from the inside. That are very destructive. And you see these false teachers are being influenced demonically. Bringing in false doctrine. Alright now. So we have influential what? A. Influential. B. We have inconsistent. Deceivers. So there's lying hypocrites out there. What's a hypocrite? Hypocrite's one that tells you to do something he won't do. That's a hypocrite. And they're going to lie. They're going to give you false doctrine, okay? And when we use the word doctrine, all doctrine means is teaching. And they'll take something from the Bible and tell you something that's not true. And usually, usually it's for the purpose of the teacher's benefit. It's out of a sense of trying to control people for the benefit of whoever the false teacher is. For instance, people on TV will teach you something. God's going to bless you if you send in twenty nine ninety nine. Y'all see how that works? All right, anyway, y'all, y'all pick that up later. <clears throat> so here in these few verses, one through five, we have influential demons. We know that the attacks on the church in America is demonically influenced. We have inconsistent deceivers. They're lying hypocrites who have no conscience, who have no conscience. You see, look at, look at, verse, look at verse number six. Having their conscience seared. Say that with me. Having their conscience seared with a hot iron. And the word seared means cauterized. Cauterized. In other words, your conscience 
your conscience, if you want to know what that is, your conscience is your, your onboard sensor. How many of y'all got a car? How many of y'all got a new enough car that it's got a sensor in there? It's got a, what do you call that? Uh, that, that, that light that comes on? Check engine, Check engine light. Thank you, brother. Now, how many of y'all have a car old enough where the check engine light stays on all the time? You're, you're some of my people. Amen. Somebody borrowed my truck the other day and said, hey, the sensor light's on. I said, don't worry about it. Just keep driving. Now, the sensor light is there to say something's wrong. Do you realize the conscience in you, God gave you a conscience, even if you're unsaved, that conscience is your sensor light. When you go to do something wrong, it'll say, hey, 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 hey. Y'all with me? Even an unsaved person knows, I don't really need to slap Mr. Marsh. Y'all with me? That's not nice. I don't need to, even an unsaved person an unsaved person feels guilty about lying to somebody. Y'all with me? I had, I had a conscience even before I was saved. I grew up in church. I knew, I knew when I did something wrong. Are y'all with me? That was that inward conscience. But guess what? What happens is, is when you continually to sin against your conscience, doing what you know is wrong, doing it anyway, every time it gets tougher it's like it gets calluses or it gets cauterized. And what does that mean? It goes beyond feeling. I always wondered till I read this verse. I always wondered how a guy could stand in front of a camera and tell a widow lady to send everything she owned to him so he could pocket it and buy a newer car when he knew she was going to struggle for her food. I always wonder, how can a man do that? I mean, I know a man of God can't do that, but I don't know how a, I don't know how a heathen could do that until I learned that their conscience has been seared. In other words, they can stand in front of that and do that kind of thing and not even feel it because their censor has been destroyed. That inward, that inward blinking light that says that's wrong, that's wrong. It don't work anymore. Let me tell you how, how somebody can take a young child and abuse a young child, traffic people because their conscience is seared. Their past feeling. Are y'all with me? They're conscious. Anyway, anyway, I'm not going to get on there because I have my own feeling about them. They need to be, anyway. I'm, 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 I'm staying focused. Stay focused right here. We see inconsistent deceivers, false teachers being used by the devil, <clears throat> influenced by his demons. Look at 2 Corinthians 11. 2 Corinthians 11. It's right there underneath B. When you get there, say amen. amen. Watch, out, watch how Paul describes these false teachers. He says, For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. They'll try to tell you they're men of God. 
They're trying to tell you that they're the apostles of Christ. And no marvel. He said, it ain't no surprise. Why? For Satan, what? Come on, for Satan is transformed into an In other words, you need to understand that when the devil comes to attack you or to tempt you, he's not going to come with a pitchfork and a pointy tail. He's going to come slick. He's going to come as a friend. He's going to come as an ally. Are y'all with me? He'll deceive you. Listen, he transformed himself into an angel. Now watch what it says. Watch what it says. Therefore, he said, this is how the devil operates. Therefore, it is no great thing if his, in other words, those false teachers being influenced by him. It is no great thing if his also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness whose end shall be according to their works. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying this. Paul is warning Timothy. Timothy, there's going to be people that walk. There's going to be people that go away because they're being influenced by false teachers who are demonically instructed. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Now watch. And they use incorrect doctrine. C. They use incorrect doctrine. And he begins to describe it. Now, now think about this. This is amazing. When you think about what doctrine or what false teaching would Satan use to to try to confuse people, to try to deceive people, you would think he would try to go and say something about the Trinity or something about... Uh, eternal salvation or assurance of salvation or maybe something of, of theological significance, but that's not what Paul says. Paul brings up something that seems trivial. Something that seems trivial. Like whether or not you can be married or what kind of meat you can eat. Those things seem insignificant. Well, those are not that big a deal. See, this is why it's so dangerous. Because these are just things to let Satan get his foot in the... Have you ever heard the phrase, if the camel gets his nose in the tent? Anybody ever heard that phrase? It's, it's an Eastern, it means that if you allow the camel just to get his nose in the tent, you better make room because the whole thing's coming in. Basically, what it's trying to say is don't allow any foolishness. Don't be succumbed to any false teaching. Why? Why? Why is this so important? Here's the deal. What makes this so dangerous? They said, what? let's read it. Let's read it. Let's read it. He says, this is their false teaching. This is what they're trying to teach. Forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats. Forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats. Now, look at, look at what I put underneath incorrect doctrine. <clears throat> the reason that false doctrine, are y'all there? The reason that false doctrine is so dangerous is that it usually has a small element of the 
you see, a false teacher is not going to come to you and tell you something that is a plain out, obvious, blatant lie. He's going to give you just a little bit of the Bible in the whole lot of a lie. But how many of y'all know that almost the truth is a lie? Well, preacher, why is that so dangerous? Why do you feel like that's so dangerous? Because the Bible says my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Because there's so many Christians who are so immature and they're so weak in their faith because they refuse to take time to read and study their Bible that when they do hear just a little bit of the Bible, they get sucked into the whole thing. Because, let me say it this way. Most people know just enough of the Bible to be dangerous. Let me say that again. Most people know just enough of the Bible for it to be dangerous. Because what the devil will do is use the little bit you know and bring in what he wants you to know And you're going to think it's the truth. For instance, let's use these two things. The marriage and the meat. All right, there's a little element of truth when it comes to the marriage part. Because Paul did teach. He did say, hey, if you can remain unmarried, rock on. I mean, that's not exactly how he said it, but that's how we get it. Basically what Paul is saying, he said, I'm single. And if you can be single, it's better off for you. You don't have to put up with a spouse. You don't have to wait on a spouse. You don't have to ask a spouse's opinion. If you want to serve God, you can serve God. You don't have to worry about all the things that come with that. That's what Paul is saying. Paul didn't have to ask permission for nothing. If Paul wanted to go to Ephesus, he went to Ephesus. Why are y'all looking at me so funny? Don't act like y'all can't do that. Y'all with me? He said, but I know everybody can't do that. Everybody doesn't have the gift, and he calls it a gift, singleness a gift. He says some people can remain unmarried, and it's not a problem, it's not an issue. He said, but if you can't, if you don't have to get to singleness, uh, it's, better, it's better to get married than to burn. That's a whole other message. We'll leave it right there. Amen. But what is he saying? He's not saying in order to be saved, you have to be single. He's just saying, if you want to, you can be very effective being single, just like you can be effective being married. If you can be single, be single. If you can't, get married. Are y'all with me? But these false teachers are making it a requirement to be saved or spiritual. Y'all see what? They just use just a little bit and then bring in, y'all with me? All right, the meats. The meats, abstain from eating meat. Now, there was a time, there was a time where y'all know we, we have taught this before, where Paul is instructing and he's talking about that they were baby Christians that were struggling with eating meat. Meat that was sacrificed to idols in a, in a false temple. Now, this, the, the seasoned, the, the experienced Christian who knew that there was no such thing as a false god or false idol, it wasn't nothing but barbecue meat. It wasn't tainted. 
it wasn't corrupt because it was, it was just barbecue meat. He said, it's okay to eat it, but he says, but he says, if there is a weak believer, if there is a weak believer who thinks it's a sin to eat it, you don't need to eat it in front of him. You don't need to make the weak believer stumble by doing what you know is okay. He said, it'd be better off not to eat the meat. Is there anywhere in here where Paul said he commanded in order to be saved or to be spiritual, you can't eat meat? No. You see how you see how these false doctrines work? There's just a little bit of element, but it's not completely true. See, this goes all the way back. This goes all the way back to Adam and Eve. It goes all the way back to Adam and Eve. What do you mean, preacher? He, the devil came to Eve. And said, yea, hath God said. Did God really say this? Did God really say? What, 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 what exactly did God say? Did he say you can't eat that fruit? And, and this is what Eve said. This is amazing. Now the only thing that God commanded, the only thing that God commanded is don't eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. How many of y'all remember that? Say amen. He said, don't eat it. Say that with me. Say it again. Say it again. One more time. But when Eve responded to the devil, this is what she said. That's right. God said we can't eat it and we can't touch it. God never said that. God never said that. Do you want me to tell you where most false doctrines come from? When man wants to make more rules than God. What is that doing? It's adding to what God said. God never said, you, you can't not eat meat and be saved by it. it. has nothing to do with that. Being single doesn't get you saved. Being married doesn't get you saved. You're not more spiritual because you're single. You're not more spiritual because you're married. But that's what these false teachers were teaching. Are y'all with me? Say Amen. Now, I know you're thinking, why in the world are we getting this? Because I want you to understand, you need to know your Bible so you can combat false doctrine. Because when you turn on the TV and you hear this preacher sound good and sound spiritual, you need to have enough of the word in your heart and enough of the spirit in your mind to, so that when he says that one thing, I've listened, I've turned on preachers, and, I'm, and I mean, I'm getting with it, because I'm liking the way he's doing it. Not just what he's saying, but how he's saying it. Because I like a fiery preacher. I just do. That's what I was raised under. That's what I like. Man, I'm telling you, I like them foaming at the mouth and, and, and half-dressed during the introduction. Amen? I mean, like they're fighting bumblebees. I just like it. And I've watched him, and man, this was an energetic, very charismatic-style preacher, and he's going after it, and man, I'm saying amen, that's good. And then he'll say one phrase, I'm, whoa, wait a minute. Wait a minute, that's not true. You see, that's how the devil will operate. He'll feed you just enough of the truth to where you think, and then he's got you. That's how it works. That's how people are being pulled away from Bible teaching churches by charlatans and false teachers. Are y'all with me? Anyway, we got to hurry. We're going to run out of time. We'll never finish this. Okay. Now, when they walk, 
when they walk. I need you to understand something. They didn't have something and lose it. Some of y'all going to pick that up in a minute. They didn't have faith and lose it. Now let me prove it. Look at the top of your notes, right underneath the point number one. 1 John 2, 18. Actually, it's 19. When you're there, say amen. amen. They went out from us. What does that mean? They walked away. They quit assembling. They quit being a part of the fellowship. They went out from us, but they were not, they were not of us. Now, they hung with us. They spent some time with us. They said they were. They said that they were a part of the fellowship. They were, y'all with me? But he said they were not of us. Watch now, watch. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued. But they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not all Preacher, what are you saying? In the life of a church, there's going to be people that come and there's going to be people that... Now, I'm not talking about people who move to another town. I'm not talking about people who God leads to another fellowship. I'm not saying that every single person that, that, that has come to temple and has left temple was lost when they left. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm telling you, the majority of people that walk away and they're not in church, they're not in fellowship somewhere, they didn't have something and lose it. They never had it to begin with. I truly believe in the perseverance of the saints. I do. Now, let's just move on and you just simmer on that just a little bit. All right, number two, let's hurry. 16 minutes. We need two hours, people. All right, we have a focused attention. So so what was number one again? Let's rehearse. Number one, Paul is warning Timothy about a... Come on, everybody. Paul is warning Timothy about a... Falling away. Falling away. But then we see a focused attention. A focused attention. He said, but listen, don't focus on the people that walk. Don't focus on, on... on those that leave. He says, but this is what I want you to do. Verse number six. Verse number six. Well, let me, let me explain. Let me, let me explain. Let me explain three, four, and five, and then we'll move that. Okay? These false teachers, their false doctrine was this. Forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats, which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. For every... Come on. Every... Creature of God is good and nothing to be refused if it be received with thanksgiving. For it is sanctified, that means set apart for use, sanctified by the word of God and prayer. Now, what does that mean? What does that mean? When you sit down to, when you sit down to a barbecue pork sandwich, I'm just using that as an example because there's a lot of people that go around telling you, you you're not right with God if you eat pork. 
Because they go to the Old Testament and they use a Jewish dietary law to try to apply it to a New Testament church, which is totally wrong. Okay? They do the same thing with shrimp. That's why some of y'all were kind of confused and didn't understand the little joke that I made about bacon-wrapped shrimp. If you was a Jew, you were not supposed to eat either one of them. Say amen. All right? But that was a Jewish dietary law. But there are people today in the world we live in today that teaches that you're not right with God if you eat these. These are contaminated. These are wrong. But here we find that whatever you eat, whatever you eat is sanctified. What does sanctified mean? It means set apart for use. Set apart for use. By the word of God, when God said all of it's good, okay, that makes it sanctified. All of it's good. That was God's word. He just said it right here. Nothing to be what? Refused. Okay? Now, God's word sanctifies it, sets it apart for use and prayer. So when you bow your head and you thank God for your meal and you bless your meal, you're blessing that meal to be a nourishment for you to serve him. Now think about that a minute. We're to be sanctified. All right, let me put it this way. Let me illustrate it this way. <clears throat> I've got a cup, I've got a cup in, in, at my house that's got the rev on it. It is sanctified. It is set apart for the use of the rev and the rev only. All right, if it was anybody's cup, it wouldn't be sanctified. Y'all with me? But sanctified means set apart for a specific purpose. And you are sanctified. You are set apart for the service of the king. Are y'all with me? And when you pray over your meal, you're not only asking God or telling God thank you for it. You're asking God to bless it for your ability to be used by him. Does that make sense? That's why we call it saying the blessing. You're asking God to bless what you are taking in to use it for the nourishing of your body and your body to his service. Does that make sense? So no matter what you, no matter what you eat, even if it's bacon wrapped pork, bacon wrapped shrimp, you can wrap a pine cone in bacon and eat it. Say amen. You're taking it, and because of God's word, God said it was good, and because of the prayer you're praying, you're setting it apart for your use for the kingdom of God's glory. Does that make sense? That's what them verses mean, okay? Now, let's, let's, let's hurry. Now, watch what he says, verse 6. If thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good what? Minister, a servant, a good servant. Of Jesus Christ, nourished up in the words of faith and of a good doctrine, whereunto thou hast attained, but refuse profane and old wives' fables. Exercise thyself rather unto what? For bodily exercise profiteth little. Now, I've heard a preacher say who liked to run and exercise, he said, I know it profiteth little, but I want that little. So, rock on, Amen. Uh, but godliness is profitable unto all things, 
having promise of the life that what now is and of that which is to in other words when you jog down the road it's going to help you right now but jogging ain't going to do anything for your eternal destiny but godliness will help you right now and in the world to come does that make sense that's what that meaning now watch what he says He says, I want you to have a focused attention. Number two, a focused attention. Now, what does he need to focus on? Two things quickly. We got it. We got to hurry. First, on character. I want you to focus on your character. That's what Paul's telling Timothy. Now, what now what does exercise primarily do? What is exercise? Why, why, do, why, do, why do people, and, and let's not be spiritual in here, and let's, don't, let's just be real honest. Why do I, I want to exercise? To get rid of this big belly. Why do I want to get rid of this big belly? So it don't poke out. So I can put a suit on and look. So it's all about the what? The outward. It's all about the outward. Now, listen, don't take from this. I'm not saying we shouldn't do this and be healthy. I, I'm not saying that. I think it's important. And I think, I think everybody should take care of the temple that God gave you. That's your body so you can serve God better. And the better you take care of your body, the longer you can serve God. Are you all with me? But I'm trying to give you a practical understanding of what he's trying to say here. Paul is warning Timothy. He says, listen, I know, I know that exercise is okay. But it only affects the outside. And it only affects your life right now. I would rather you be more concerned about your character than how you fit in your blue jeans. Are y'all with me? And how many people are so consumed with their outside? They take selfies every five seconds. And they're so consumed with the way they look on their outside. But they have no concern about their character. Paul is telling Timothy, your character is the most important thing. Who you really are. Who you are when no one's watching you. Your godliness. I want you to exercise thyself rather unto godliness. And the word exercise there means discipline yourself. When you have an athlete who is a, who is a, a premier athlete, he's very disciplined in what he does. He, he's disciplined in what he eats. He disciplines in how he exercises. He disciplines himself so that he could be at prime, uh, at prime ability. And what he's saying here, he says, I want you to be disciplined when it comes to your spiritual walk and your spiritual life. I care about your character. If you're going to be a good minister... If you're going to be a man of God, your character counts. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Listen, how how do you exercise your character? Two things. By what you ignore and by what you practice. Now watch what he says. Refuse. What do we ignore? Refuse old, or excuse me, refuse profane in old wise fables. He said, don't even get caught up in foolish jesting. Don't even get caught up in theoretical things. Don't, don't get caught up in myths or false teaching or false doctrine. Don't even spend your time with that. Don't even get into debates with anybody about that. 
Don't waste your time on foolishness. See, your character is being affected not only by what you do, but by what you don't do. Are y'all with me? Say amen. So our character is molded. Our character is, 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 is being uh, developed by what we refuse, what we choose to stay away from. If we can apply it today, there's stuff we don't need to be watching on TV. Do I have a witness? There's stuff we don't need to be reading. Do I have a witness? There's stuff we don't need to be listening to. There's stuff, I, listen, there is some of the, I don't even watch, I don't even watch any of the award shows anyway. That's just mutual, mutual admiration societies anyway. I mean, they're, they're rewarding themselves. That's ridiculous to me. Anyway, it is getting so wicked and so ungodly. Number one songs on the pop charts. And, and, and if you try to read the lyrics to it, it will make a sailor blush. And that's what our world and our culture, he said, refuse, just stay away. Stay away. But then do this. Exercise thyself rather unto godliness. And the word exercise means discipline yourself. Practice this. Practice this. Practice being godly. Practice doing right. Practice and discipline yourself to be a man of God and exercise godliness in your life. Somebody say amen. So there's a focused attention, A, say it with me, there's a focused attention on character. Then B, he says, I want there to be, this is Paul speaking to Timothy, I want you to have a focused attention on your conduct. Verse 10, verse 10, he says, for therefore we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God. We labor, we labor who is the Savior of all men, especially of those that believe. These things command and teach. Let no man despise thy, but be thou and what? Example. Now, I've, I've, seen, I've seen young people, I've seen young people get in debates on Facebook and, and, and try to quote this verse. And, in other words, don't look down on me because I'm young. That's not what that means. What Paul is telling Timothy, he's saying, don't do stupid, useful things for people to look at you and say, if you're going to, if you're going to lead and be a good minister, you have to be mature. You have to make sound decisions. You can't act like a kid. Are y'all with me? Do you remember when he said, flee youthful lusts? Flee youthful lust. There are some things that, 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 that tempts young people that doesn't tempt older people. And he says, you, gotta, you can't act like a young, immature kid. Are y'all with me? Say amen. But watch what he says. But be an example. Be an example. In what ways? In what ways? He, he lists six things here. In word. Be an example. Now, now, let's go back. Let's go back a minute. <clears throat> let's go back a minute. It says in verse number 12, Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou in of the... You know what he's telling him? You know what he's telling him? This is what he's saying. Give them something to follow. Give them something to follow. How many times did Paul tell in his letters... Follow me as I follow Christ. 
Didn't he say that? What he's telling Timothy, he says, listen, you be what they need to be in front of them. Give your people something to... And the first thing is in what? What did he say? In word. That means what you say. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. In other words, don't have a potty mouth. Boy, it got quiet all of a sudden. Be an example of a believer. A believer, what does he say out of his mouth? Whatever's seasoned with salt and grace. Doesn't, doesn't, doesn't the psalm say, doesn't the psalm say uh, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be, or, hello, we got to be careful what we say. It's the words that come out of our mouth. What, what is the old, old phrase? What would Jesus do? Let's ask ourselves, would Jesus say that? Be careful with what we say. All right, what's the second thing? In word and in what? Conversation, the word conversation there means behavior. Means behavior. Uh, it, ladies, ladies and, and gentlemen who carry kids in the car line. <laughs> the greatest day in my life was when I didn't have to get in the car line no more. When I drive West Point, coming to work every day, I just laugh at all the car line people and say, thank God I'm not there no more. I can be spiritual now. Are we acting like Jesus at work? Are we an example in our behavior? Are we an example for them to follow? And you say, oh, but you're talking about a preacher. He's talking about a preacher. I know, I know what I'm talking about, but this is an application we can all use. Parents, are you giving something for your kids to follow? Well, let me, let me fix that. Yes, you are. But what are they going to follow? Funny thing happened to me <clears throat> when I lived in, in South Carolina, and we're not going to finish, so we're just... Finish next week. Uh, I accidentally set my, my deck on fire. The, 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 where we barbecued out there. And uh, long story funny, I'll tell you later. But anyway, it caught on fire. had a big hole in there. And uh, I was going to fix it. And so I went and got the lumber. And, uh, and, 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 and came back. And Becca, Becca was, I, I don't know. Uh, tell me how old are they when they're in diapers? <laughs> walking around. Two years old, I guess. Two years old, they walking around diapers. Uh, she never kept clothes on. I mean, I was really worried about her the whole time. <laughs> she was r- running around on the deck, had her diaper on, and she was watching what I was doing. And I, I, had, my, I had my tape measure, and I, w- I would measure the board, and I'd mark it, and I'd put it on my hip, you know, put the tape measure on my hip, and then I'd go cut the board. And, and she just kept watching me do that, watching me do that. And, uh, and, and for long, I went over there and I measured, I measured a board and I marked it. And instead of putting it on my hip, I set it down. And I pulled it over and I went, I'm over here cutting the board. And I turn around and look and Becca's over there with that tape measure on her diaper going. <laughs> what is she doing? She's trying to do what she saw her daddy do. 
She was trying to follow my example. Now, ladies and gentlemen, people are watching us. If you claim to be a Christian, they're going to watch you. They're going to watch you. Phil, y'all, you was there when I first started going to the Coon Club. How close did people eyeball me? You know why? Because they had seen so many other preachers who were liars, who just called themselves preachers, but they're crooked as a snake. And so here's just another one. Man, they watched me. They watched how I reacted when I got cheated. They watched how I reacted when things didn't go good. They watched how I reacted when, when somebody acted the fool in front of me. Was I going to be self, so self-righteous and super spiritual that I act like? They watch. If you claim to be a Christian, you're not living right just for your own benefit. There are people that are watching you. And we all, say that with me, we Come on, everybody. We need to be an example of the believer in our words, in our conversation, which means our behavior. What's the third one? Quickly, hurry. It's in the red. It's in the red. Quickly. Say it with me. Charity. What does charity mean? Love. Are you an example of the believer when it comes to loving one another? The verse that's there is, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is... If you hate people, you might want to check up. If you can't love your brethren, no matter what color they are, no matter what persuasion they are, no matter what flavor they are, if you can't do that, you might want to check up. Because the Bible says, For God so loved the... That means all of them in it. And if you're of God, you love too. So are we being an example of the believer in the way we love people? Right? What was the next one? Spirit. Spirit. That means enthusiasm. You know, you know how you hear somebody say, boy, that's the spirit. And you see somebody that's, you know, zealous, uh, uh, what was the word I need? Upbeat, upbeat, uh, enthusiastic, you know, passionate. Or do we just go around in the mully grubs all the time? Well, why should, the, why should the believer be passionate? He's going to heaven. He's got God on the inside. We've got the favor and touch. Are y'all with me? So we're to be an example of the believer in our enthusiasm and our passion. What was the next one? Say it again. Now, this is not faith as belief. Like, in other words, when we say, uh, I have faith, that means I believe it's going to happen. This is the word that means faithful. Say that with me. Say it again. In other words, we need to be an example of the believer in our faithfulness. Moreover, brethren, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. God's not going to ask you if you were successful. 
He's going to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I'm just not very good, preacher. Was you faithful? He's telling Timothy, be an example in faithfulness. Don't ask your people to be faithful if you're not going to be faithful. Amen? I think there's another one, wasn't it? Say it again. Say it again. Purity. This was important for young Timothy because he's living in a city where the main temple has temple prostitutes. A very sexualized culture. It's no different than where we're at today. It's no different than where we're at today. Matter of fact, in the next chapter, this is how he says to treat the women in the church. Now, Timothy, them older women, you treat them like your mama. Them younger women, you treat them like your sister. Now, why is he telling Timothy that? It's hard to kiss your sister. Why y'all looking at me funny? Is that something? It should be hard, amen. Y'all starting to make me nervous, people. I do not look at my sister and say, hey, hey. That's weird. Amen. That's what Paul is trying to tell Timothy. He says, when you see the young women in the church, I want you to look at them as your sister so you can have a pure mind and a pure heart. Now, now we, we joke about this, but you know what? One of the number one things that destroys churches and ministries is sexual immorality. Adulterous affairs. This is a big deal. And he says, Timothy, you need to be an example in purity. You need to keep your eyes where they need to be. If you expect your people to be pure, you need to be. And all God's people say it. 